It's good to see your face. I haven't seen you in, uh, or talked to you. We had a week off because you just can't, I, I can't get over your schedule. It's just, it's intimidating to me as your friend and as your fellow <laughs> podcast host. That I Especially can't get someone on your who schedule. travels their ass off too. You are, you know, I, yeah, it's it's nutty. I mean, I'm used to it though. You know, I did a show called Nashville uh, a while back, and it was I was doing the same thing. I was just flying much further. You know, it was four hours, and this is only an hour and a half. So I'm in Albuquerque, then L.A., then I was just in Laguna Beach for Wilder's birthday, and you know, it's their first day of school today. So we took Rio to school this morning. At 8.15, we do this podcast, then I take Bodie at 10.45, then I come home, then I take Wilder at 12. Why are they home. staggered like that? Why? It's just the first day. It's like orientations for each grade, and it's, you know, it's one of those. So it, they, won't, it won't be like that. Uh, is it, does, do you ever get over that first day jitter as a parent? You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I've gone through it. We've documented this a thousand times, going through it again. But when you kind of push them out of the nest, I don't care what grade they're in, you're always holding your breath to how the other mm. kids are going to be, you know, they're going to find. And now I know there's a lot of returning friends. There's going to be new kids. There's a new dynamic. And and it's always a little uh, yeah. sketchy and a little intimidating, I think, both to kid and parent to, to know yeah. what you're going to deal with as the year goes on. Yeah. Well, Rio is going into second grade. The only one who is new to the school is Bodhi, my middle. This is the first time that they've all been at the same school ever. So Bodhi's brand new into sixth grade at this new school, but he's so fucking easy. I'm like, are you nervous? He's like, no, no, I'm excited. I'm like, why are you excited? He goes, I don't know. It's new people. Just, you know, I'm excited. So he he's he's just got a whole different vibe. Wilder is entering eighth grade and new man. I mean, he's gone through puberty and his voice is deep. He he's gained seventeen pounds. He's grew four inches, and you know, his all he cares about is his hair. He's wearing my Egyptian <laughs> musk oils. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Dad, I want cologne. I'm like, I got something better, dude. Your it's kid Egyptian is going mask. to eighth grade wearing cologne? He wanted cologne. I didn't get him cologne. I got. I, I have these essential oils that I've had since I was in my 20s. I used to wear them when I was single, Egyptian musk, and I smelled so fucking good that I, I didn't even need to look good. I just needed to smell good. It was like this, it was like this attractant. I was just, you know. And so he's like, he put it on, and now he's wearing that shit to school, Egyptian musk in the eighth grade. That is <laughs> phenomenal. That might be the best thing you've ever said on this <laughs> podcast. And that's saying a oh. lot because we've done and said a lot here, but that your, eight, your eighth grade son, it, it says everything about you too, that he's, he's all slicked down. He's ready to kind of walk in, doors swinging open like, mm -hmm. like a, the sheriff walking into a Wild West saloon. And hey, come on, ladies, it's Egyptian musk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's great. I, I, I just have to... I have before he goes to school. I have to tell him, don't say Egyptian musk. It sounds too crazy. You know what I mean? Like if someone says, "Oh my god, you smell so good," what do you, what are you wearing? We just got to make it up. Maybe EM or I don't know. Because I'll like, oh, always it's blame musk. blame it on Axe Axe body spray. I mean, you yeah. can always you can blame everything on Axe body spray, especially at that age. <laughs> You know, it's well, just it's he, mixing with my skin, and I, I'm, I have my own natural pheromones and chemicals coming out. And you know, when you put this Axe Cool Mist uh, onto my body, I smell like <laughs> uh, you know uh, Indiana Jones going yeah. through the well, temple. He wanted of doom. that. He wanted Axe, and I'm like, dude, we got to do you one better than Axe. You know, just here's some essential oils from 1998. Yeah, exactly. Think so how that just, shit is aged too. I mean, if it, it, it's probably aged like a fine wine, so you may be discovering something that even the ancient Egyptians never knew. That if you yeah. store their musk for twenty <laughs> plus years, it comes out as you know. He he may 
he's going to show up in the car at the end of the day, mm-hmm. just hickeys all over his neck and <laughs> shirt ripped off. <laughs> totally. Dad, this was amazing. This is the best first day of my life. So he's, you know, he's prepping and he's got his whole hair routine down now where he washes his hair and then he brushes it and then he puts it into the perfect position and then he has to let it air dry. So when he walks around the house, you know, while it's drying, it's almost like he's in a neck brace. He doesn't even move. (laughs) He doesn't move his neck because he doesn't want his hair to get out of place. Oh my God. (laughs) This is so great. I I could talk about this for a day because it just... (laughs) I can't wait to go through this with my little boys. You know, the best yeah. thing about my girls going to Catholic school is they had a uniform. So it was mm-hmm. never, it was almost like, why are they going to Catholic school? You know, I, I it, the number one overriding reason so that every day was not a fashion show. It, it was uniform. They slop in. It's all mm-hmm. girls. They slop out. They do their work. And school is not like, I got a. I mean, my daughter's hair was a. By the time they're seniors, it's just like a rat's nest, and they mm-hmm. don't care. And I think eliminating that was a good thing for yeah. us and for them. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely that. And then the other side of that coin is, you know, there is something about expression creatively with your clothes and how you look, and just dealing with the perils of putting on something wrong and taking a chance and being like, oh, shit, that didn't work. (laughs) That's so great. Well, our guest today, you know, is is Troy Aikman. We're going to be joined by him here in a couple minutes. But you and I need to talk about the airing of our Family Mm -hmm. Feud episode. Oh, yeah. There's no way we can go through this without... And, and I'm scared because there's so many things to say about it, and I don't want Troy to jump on in the middle of it, but... Uh, yeah, I'm getting de- just destroyed on the internet as being a sexist oh. asshole who doesn't listen to his wife, <laughs> his sister, and his two daughters. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm the one that got invited, and I could have brought anybody. Clearly, Oliver brought three of his friends, I could, <laughs> and I chose to bring my little nest of women that I have around of me. Of course. First of but, all, to be clear, my family, there's no chance in hell that my family would ever go and do that. I, I would, I would, because I, I have fun with these but things. But no Kate Hudson, no, no uh, Kate Goldie Hudson, Hawn. No Goldie Hawn, no Kurt Russell, no Wyatt. You know what I mean? Like, I've got my wife and then my three boys, you know. Right. I, yeah. um, hey. But I I uh, I didn't think about that when we were doing it. And then I watched it this morning, actually. And I was like, oh, yeah, Joe will get destroyed for this just because he's such a target anyway. And now right. you're not listening to your girls, you know, and it's like, oh, you sexist bastard. <laughs> right. Which is absurd because here's whose answer I went with. My youngest daughter, that was my youngest daughter's answer. That was not my mm-hmm. answer. That was mm-hmm. her answer. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, we gathered, you guys had your three strikes. We yeah. come out of it, and Michelle goes, Steve, can we huddle again? Because yeah. you know, we had nothing. We were going to say yeah. teacher. And uh, so that was the last answer your your side had yeah we did and it, we it was teacher. x'd out now it's like oh god now what do we do we we had teacher locked and loaded they said teacher and it wasn't up there and we come up with nothing and trudy's like my best friend my best friend my best friend mm-hmm. so then we come out michelle goes can we huddle again mm-hmm. we go back in and natalie i think said boss mm-hmm. and i come out of there going all right i guess i'll go boss but my thought was nobody admits in a survey or believes that their boss is actually smarter than them. Everybody's like, oh, my boss is a moron. My boss is, doesn't matter, male, female, whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And so the question was, you're answering what you think other people yes. will respond with, not how you feel. So yes. I thought, I don't know if the people are going to just openly say they think they're not as smart as their boss. So I'm going to go with Trudy's answer of best friend. Well, then my family my girls just freak out because we had in a pinch come up with boss which was the right answer good god it's just you just can't win for losing i don't again i've said that before i don't understand that phrase but it it fits somehow here oh dude 
It was funny. It was great. I mean, you couldn't have asked for anything better to happen. You know, I mean, that it was good up TV. there. Yeah. It was good it's TV. good TV. It's, it's good, good TV. TV. And I, I went on Twitter for a minute, and most of it was fine. But then you get the every 10th one is like really harsh. And some woman like, you're an asshole. You're a sexist asshole. You're a sports guy, typical sports guy. And I just, I wanted to engage. Don't She's in the media in Minneapolis. And I'm like, right. I'm the one that brought my girls. I'm the one that, yeah. that showed up with four women. And oh did I, it, it, I listened to my daughter part two, not my oldest daughter. And now we, we, we oh, lose. Please. I mean, absolutely don't fucking engage with that insanity. I mean, that's, but that's where we absurd. are. It's a bigger point. It's like people want to yeah. paint you with this gigantic brush, which they, they don't know any of the specifics of what went on yeah. on that show oh, yeah. in that huddle. Who said what? That's just the way it is. It's just well, nuts. forget about even the show or the huddle. I mean, whoever's painting you is this this kind of a person obviously has no idea who you fucking are. So it's just ridiculous. I mean, they don't know Joe Buck. It's just fucking stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I did the same thing, I would not have gotten that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Right. Just because I'm not like a target, like you are a target. And so what the fuck ever. We had fun. You won money for your charity. I won money for my mama. And her charity, and we had a great dinner afterwards. And it was and a we tried blast. to promote the podcast. We tried yeah. to promote. We had a lot of funny stuff. I will say of interaction between our two yeah. families and you and me that was cut out. They cut out a bunch of stuff. They cut out the intros, and I mean, I guess I didn't watch the the one before. I don't know if they took some more time with their intros and stuff. Well, you? you know why they cut out your intros? Be, they played my intros to my family. You know why? Because oh, yeah. my family didn't get to play. <laughs> we lost every head-to-head thing. So my poor sister, I will say, my daughters were excited to go on. I was excited to go on. Kind of, Michelle was excited to go on. My sister, yeah. like, this made her life. And she's in the fifth spot and never said no. a word Not on one the show. word. Not one word. Ugh. And here's the other thing. Had I said my boss and we won and went to the finals, there was already stress in my group and in my mind, you know how I think, of who was going to play the final round thing. Yeah, yeah. Fast money or whatever it's called. Yeah. My, Michelle was kind of going, no, let Julie do it. So it was going to be Julie and me, and then mm-hmm. my wife is not in it. I, I was just like, I, on, on one hand, it was a nightmare. and the other hand, I, I'm glad I didn't even have to make Sophie's <laughs> choice there of my sister no. and my wife. Oh my God! I know. Well, well, you should have. You should just put both up, and you just, you know, you just. I sit wanted back. to do that, and Michelle's like, "No, they want you to do it. They yeah. invited yeah. you." And I'm yeah, like, it's true. Well, so what? It doesn't matter. I We're know. in the game it, now. You guys go do it. It doesn't even matter. The fact that your sister was a huge fan of the show was so excited to come up, and didn't Kills even me. get any airtime. <laughs> Kills me. Crazy. So, so I mean, of all the people, <clears throat> I should have put her first, but. Then, you know, you did it the right way, which was actually the wrong way because it's family mm-hmm. feud, not me and some friends feud. I, but- I asked them, though, when they said, I said, look, I, my family's not coming on. If, if, they, if they're cool with me bringing some friends and my wife, I'll do it. And then they but said, okay. Your, your order was easy. Mine was like, you're picking between your daughters and your yeah. wife and your sister, who's the one that's all geeked up to be there. It was just like, ugh. Well, I was thinking about it. You got to go Michelle first, then your sister. You know? Then my and girls? Then, and then your girls, yeah. Yeah, because even if your girls are giving you shit, it's like, you guys, look. This is Julie's, like, dream fucking come true. She's got to be on the air. You have a long life. You're both in the movie industry. You're going to be on camera. You know, with some luck, you're going to be famous, okay? Julie (laughs) needs to be on fucking camera. (laughs) Right. That ship has sailed. My ship has sailed. I am what I am. She is what she is. Couldn't be happier. Oh, look, it's Troy. Hello. 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 <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more daddy issues. Uh. 
have we talked about this family feud uh, episode yet? We we were, we're just, just doing it. We yeah. were just recapping. I, but just so good. you know, yeah, that was good for everybody except me. But that's that's why it was good. I feel like I can speak for Oliver on this one because you know he and I we're, we're used to looking like that. You know, I mean, you never look like that. So for you to, <laughs> you know, that was that was one of those moments that I've I've been with you twenty years. I've never seen something like that. <laughs> oh god it was just horrible and and what you don't know is we came out of our first quote-unquote huddle uh you've run one of those huddles before troy and uh we had no we couldn't come up with an answer and michelle goes steve can we huddle again he goes sure go ahead which they don't have in there and then trudy was the one that said my best friend Natalie said, my boss, everybody's like, okay, my boss, we weren't really gung ho about it. Cause I thought who admits in the world that their boss is smarter than them, except for everybody that worked for you at the Ford dealership. Trust me. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. But, but I come out, I'm like, I don't know. Are people really going to admit that their boss? So I went with Trudy's answer, which was my best friend. And now I'm the internet asshole. For but see, here's what the problem is. Now you're just throwing Trudy under the bus. So you're going to get a double whammy here. I don't care. I don't care. She's my kid. <laughs> yeah it was uh, not good troy you just you know in in times of a storm you just stay off social media is my philosophy that's right yeah we've had we've had our own uh yeah yeah it's fun it's funny you and i've talked about that and and this isn't a show about social media but when you do a game and when we do a game especially when I do a baseball game, it's like you want a little bit of time to go by so all the you suck, you hate my team things can come rolling in. Now you can get on Twitter four days later, three days later, and you can kind of just wipe those away with one click. You go to the top, you may see one nasty yeah, one, right. and then you start over. It's like they, those other people didn't exist. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's kind of the approach. I, I, I do think that uh, for me, though, a little bit, um, like, it, I don't know if it is this way for you, but w- if I feel like I've had a good game, if I feel like I did my job and, and was proud of the work that I put in that game, I'll, I'll go look at social media and rarely will anything even get my attention, no matter how negative it is. Cause I just feel like, ah, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, I feel good about what I did, but if there's those games where, you know, yeah, I kind of screwed this up or didn't get this right. Then you go back and you read it. And then if somebody is commenting on that, that, Mm -hmm. that's when I feel like it really kind of hurts because I I know they're right. You know, I know like, (laughs) ah, yeah, I was, I was, I was hoping nobody noticed that, you know, one of those type (laughs) deals, but yeah, I think, uh, but that's healthy. That's healthy. That's healthy because Oliver, yeah, you've got good self-worth, you know what I mean? Because you're not basing it on, you're not basing yeah. your performance on the fucking warriors behind the keyboards. It's like, oh, I felt good. Fuck everyone else. Or I felt bad. Eh, okay. They have a point. Yeah, so like in the in the in the world that that I lived in as a player, even though social media wasn't there, but these guys now certainly are dealing with it. And then in broadcasting, you know, everyone's a critic. Uh and and the fantasy football's really brought out the criticism of, of the players if a player doesn't make a play. But I'm curious for you, Oliver. I mean, as far as Social media, do you get a lot of negative on on your feeds? People, it's so you know. funny, you just, so funny you asked that. I was I was uh, with some friends uh, this weekend, and they asked that exact question, and uh, the answer is no. I mean, it's it's crazy to say. <laughs> Life's like good. You, you scroll, you go through my you go through my comments, and I mean, it's never anything bad or or negative because I think that's just how I've presented myself is just this sort of out there, you know, unrestrained person who's just going to be himself. So I get passes all over the place, I guess. You know what I mean? There's no, I'm not being critiqued. If you don't like me, then I guess just stop following. But no one ever says like, you're a fucking this, or you did this or, you know. Which is great. I mean, so you've, you've, You've carved out a path a little bit like like Jack Nicholson to where, you know, I mean, he can take a three iron to a motorist's car and they just, they just, and they just say, ah, oh, you know, that's Jack. Come on. Yeah. It's no big deal. And that's oh, just yeah. Oliver. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I, but I do think that when you do sports, you know, 
people are stuck with Troy and me if they're watching the big game, and right. and and we're having we're having I comments that worded a little bit differently. Okay, people uh, <laughs> have to listen to us if we're doing yeah. the game on national TV, but but inevitably one side is going to be really mad because their team just lost, and if you right. say anything you know, that's critical, or if, you know, in my case, I'm jumping up and down because a team just won, you've got half the fan base that's going, hey, F you, you're, you're, why are you so excited my team lost? If they're going to follow you, Oliver, they're probably going to be a fan of yours to some degree. Nobody's stuck, you know, on a, on a right. Sunday watching you call their games. If, if they are a fan of yeah. you, they, they watch your stuff and they follow you. And if not, then you don't even exist to them. So it's, it's yeah. a different experience altogether. And I get it. You know, I mean, I totally get it. Cause I, I don't get, you know, when I watch a sporting event, I, I think that's what makes sports so great, but rarely am I just absolutely like fanatical for the outcome of a game. Typically most events that I watch I've got a little bit of a rooting interest at times when I'm watching it at my house, but not not often. But then I'm watching, for, for instance, a UCLA game, and I'm fully invested on wanting to see them win. And then when something happens and the announcer says, yeah, that, I, you know, I kind of said, oh, no way. I wasn't. So I, I do get why people react the, the way that they do. I guess the the thing that surprises me, and it always has surprised me, is that someone then actually takes the time to go type out, you know, this <laughs> this this venom that they have yeah. for for a broadcaster. That that's the part where I just say, "Wow, I, 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 they are really committed to this thing." So, uh, but yeah. it's great. It's great for sports. It's been it's been great for getting people involved. <laughs> when did you and Joe start? Like, what was Gosh. your first game? What was Oliver, your first we game? started in uh, our first game together. You know, I, I retired in 2000, and then I I worked the 2001 season uh, with Daryl Johnston, a former teammate of mine with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. and Dick Stockton was our play-by-play guy, and and had a blast. You know, just had a re- mm-hmm. it, it was such a unique situation to be working alongside a guy who came into the NFL the same year as I did. We were teammates for all those years, and. And it was fun. And then uh, and then Madden all of a sudden left the very next year and they put Joe, myself and Chris Collinsworth in, in the in the number one booth. So mm. it, it happened. It happened really quickly for me to be the number two guy one year and the very next year to be the number one guy and then worked with Chris for three years in a three man booth. And then he left for NBC and and then Joe and I have been uh, in a two man booth ever since. So it's crazy. It this take- is our 20th year. Did it take you some time to get to know your rhythms and your, you know what I mean? Because obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, so every play-by-play guy is different. I'm sure Joe would say probably every analyst is different, but, but I, I start talking when Joe finishes talking and then I'm supposed to be done talking before the snap of the, of the next play. And, and there'll be, you know, I know Joe's cadence, uh, doesn't happen right away, but now, so if he pauses, I know that he's not done talking. I know that he has more that he wants to say. And so I lay out, let him kind of finish and, and it works really well. And I think the viewers, uh, those that are, those that aren't critiquing us on, on Twitter, (laughs) I, I think they, they feel the chemistry with Joe and I, which, which, which makes it a little bit. Uh, easier listen, I suppose. But then when Joe leaves and does baseball, then I work with someone else and, and it, it, it's, it's a little different for me. I mean, it's a little odd because I know like when we start a game, Joe usually talks right up until the kickoff and then, right. you know, it comes out. So I just kind of lay out the whole time. And then all of a sudden somebody's bringing me into it and, and it just, all of the cadence is totally different when you're working with someone differently. It's funny how that all works out because you don't ever map it out and it does take a little bit of time, but it doesn't take long. And and I feel like he can read me like he would read a receiver and I can read him like I would read, you know, I, I've never played in the NFL, obviously, but somebody that's that's next to me, I, I can tell by a slight movement that he makes. And I don't even know what it is. Sometimes he'll lift his hand. Sometimes he'll just lean in toward the field. And, and I know, and, and there are times where it kills me because I can't get my words out and I can't say it quick enough to allow him more time 
to do his thing and I'm stammering around and I'm trying to get there. And, and when I do that, sometimes I'll grab him like by the arm, like, Hey, sorry about that. But, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of subtle body language that happens with millions of people watching that I think would actually kind of be fascinating if, if you were to put a camera on us from behind and you would just watch us work and then you could lay the, the sound in later, you would, you would see just subtle things that happen that happen between two guys that have been in high-pressure situations on air for a long time now. This is our 20th season together. That, that there's, there are things happening that we're probably not conscious of, but, but it's going on, and it allows us to not step on each other, you know, really hardly ever, which is have you ever had a Have you ever had a moment, though, where there's been a miscue or a cross up and you, you know, you, you not get upset with each other, but you'd be like, you're like Joe, what the fuck man? Or, or, you know, anything like that ever, or is it all just no. gravy all the time? No. Well, I mean, we, I, I, I'll speak for me. I, I, I feel like I could speak for both of us that we've never had a cross word, uh, ever, you know, um, not because, not because we're not capable of reacting that way or, you know, that we're just laissez-faire about it, about it all. We just, we just have a great deal of respect. We get along. I think that, you know, Joe knows that I respect what he's trying to accomplish and, and I have his best interest and I know that he has my best interest. So there's times when, you know, if I go down something and I know that Joe wanted to get in there and I kind of screwed it up, like he's saying, the hardest part at times is just trying to wrap up your thoughts when you're, once you go down a road, you, you can't just leave it hanging out there. So you're trying to, you're trying to wrap it up. And sometimes it happens to me too, where I know he wants to get in there and say something and, 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 and I may screw that up for him. And sometimes there's those moments that are, that are big moments. And when you miss them, you know, you don't get them back. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be, I'll be quick to say to him, look, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. didn't, you know, didn't do it. And he'll do the same for me, but, but that's rare. Uh, you know, we kind of together. What about when, uh, what about when Randy Moss peed on the goalpost and he did his thing? <laughs> were, were, were you like, uh, were you, were, Troy, were you like, ah, oh, shit. He didn't, pee on the goal. he didn't pee on the goalpost. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you, I'm just saying when you said that Troy must've been like, ah, oh, this isn't going to be good. I don't know. Well, God. no, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'll be totally honest with you on that one, Oliver. Uh, you know, so we were working with Collinsworth that year and the, 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 it happened, right. The touchdown happens and I'm immediately like talking to the truck about something that I wanted to see. So I had my head down and then Joe reacted the way that he did. And I kind of was like, the hell just happened no well first no what first happened what first happened was collinsworth (laughs) collinsworth is doing he goes and randy moss shoots the moon at the fans in green bay and then i reacted off kind of both what i saw and then chris saying that like hey let's not go down this path of showing nine different angles of him mooning the crowd in the end zone at lambeau field and there no, I mean, on one hand, I've I've answered for this. I think that happened in '04, somewhere in there, maybe January well, of '04. '04 would have been at the latest, right? So that would have been the latest last year, the possible, because Chris's last year was '04. Yeah, so it might have been the '03 season. I, I I think it was '04, but it might have been the playoffs that started in early '04. But so I I've answered for this forever. And I'm like, on one hand, I hear it and I'm like, ah, it's too much. I cringe. On the other hand, I'm like, I don't think in 2021, I would have the balls to say that. E- even mm-hmm. if that's what I felt in my core, I, I, and I, I just reacted. And Randy and I, thank God, you know, he's a coworker of Michelle's and we get along great. Of all the guys that are there that interact with Michelle, he's hands down the best. Um, but I, I'm surprised that I said it on one hand, and then I'm kind of proud that I said it on the other because I think things have changed so much and, and there have been so many constraints put on us, whether it's social media or whatever, that you rarely step out of that middle lane and have a really, if you want to call it a hot take, it, you really mm. ever say anything that has real teeth to it. So I, I, I cringe a little, and then I'm like, ah, man, I, I'm kind of impressed that I said what I said because that's how I felt, and I don't think I would say that in 2021, yeah, you, so maybe no, I've gotten worse. 
No, you'd get canceled. I mean, that's what. (laughs) I'd be done. You know, I'd be done. And I just and I just have one request as we go into this twenty twenty one season. Can can you do maybe just a quarter? I was going to say a game, but maybe just one quarter of Chris Collinsworth in one of these games. (laughs) Just (laughs) do do that. Do that impersonation. Come on, man. (laughs) Oh, come on. I mean, he is. He's so great. And we went through so many things together that should be in a book. Um, uh, I've talked with him a couple different times here over the last few weeks, you know, like an hour at a time. I've had some really great conversations with him. Oh, now you get along. Now you get along. I had to go funny, some funny, funny stuff. Listening to him. Oh my God. Pretty good. Oliver. I was stuck between these two guys. They are a types. They are dominant people. Troy Aikman and Chris Collinsworth, both great broadcasters, you know, both great players, both, but they have opinions. So not their opinions did not always match up, which made for great TV, in my opinion, but also made for a little bit of stress. And I was always feeling like I had to go back between the two guys, like, well, what Chris really meant to say when he said this, was, or what Troy really, and, and finally we get out of it. Now we're all, now we're all, you know, great friends. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's funny that it just well, you know, to go back. Fun- Hold on. It's funny you say that because, you know, everyone gives you shit for being biased, even though you're absolutely not. But what if you flipped it? What if you leaned into that? What if you had two announcers who actually cared about the other team and would get into it on air, you know, with a lot of knowledge? That would be that would be amazing to watch. Honestly, Well, ESPN kind of does that. They have simulcasts that go on where they will they will they will pull in. Somebody from it happens a lot on the collegiate level, but now it's going to happen in the NFL because Peyton mm-hmm. Manning's going to have a show with Eli Manning, and it's going to be like almost counter programming to their own programming, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy to me that you've got a game, your own announcers, and then over on here on ESPN two or whatever it is, click into that if you want to listen to Peyton and Eli talk about it, and not the guys that we actually hire and pay right. money to to cover the game. It's like, what? Right. wait, what? Yeah. It, it's strange it's, to yeah. me. Fox isn't doing that, are they? <laughs> God, I hope not. I hope not. But, you know, I was just thinking when, when we're talking about kind of that subtle nature of working together in a high-pressure thing, I'm sure it's not that different than in the acting world, Oliver, because – you know, if 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 Troy screws something up royally or I screw something up royally, I go back to my early days with Tim Green when I was doing games and he and I were just figuring it out. And if he struggled, well, then we struggled. And I, I hate that feeling. I, I, mm-hmm. I could call a perfect game, but if my partner, on-air partner, is not, you know, is not having a great game, then we don't have a great game. And, and so that's why you have to play off each other and highlight each other's strengths. And I would imagine, you know, when you're doing a scene with somebody, you're really dependent. And that's why, you know, the old age old actors thing line of, oh, they're just so giving. And they're just, mm-hmm. oh, I love doing this scene with Daniel Day-Lewis. He's such a giving actor. <laughs> but you, but you, because you're only as good as what they're giving you, and you have to play off that. So we're doing that same thing. We're just doing it live to action that we're not controlling which makes yeah. the job that much harder. You may you actually it's an interesting point you bring up because you guys have the luxury of being together in the booth for that many years and really learning each other and liking each other. If you guys had a bad relationship just even personally, this wouldn't be 20 years in the making. No. It would have ended. So with as an actor, you know, I've been lucky. Um there's been moments where the people on set have not been so great, but for the most part, I have never had a really bad experience. But I mean, I'd say probably 30% of the time you've got actors working together who don't even fucking like each other. Sometimes there are things that go down where egos clash. Someone's in their trailer too long or whatever's happening. And you have to be in love with this person and you just do not like them. But you have to, quote unquote, act. That That happens all the time, you know, where you just not it's your best friend or whatever. And you're like, I hate this dude. He's just, uh, I don't like him as a human being, but now I got to love him and hug him, you know, and that's my boy. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break.
Well, Troy and I have been through, and it's why I was excited to have Troy on for a a million reasons, but we've been through a lot of the same life experiences. But I think what what we really bond over, other than what we do at work, is that we're dads to two daughters. And, And he's seen my girls grow up. I've seen his girls grow up. I can say this, and, and I've, I've said it many times publicly. Of all the things that Troy Aikman is great at, and it's a long list, uh, not the least of which is, is being a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Super Bowl champion, what he's best at is being a dad and really, mm. really stepping up when his girls need him. And now I'm anxious because we haven't really talked, Troy, much, and, and that's going to change here soon, about being an empty nester because his youngest, yeah. Allie, just left – now she's down the street at at, uh, at a local school, but um, man, w- what is that like? And and how is it going for Allie uh, there at SMU? Well, Allie's doing great, and thank you for for saying that. I uh, about being a father. I I said, you know, Joe knows this. I said it at his uh, at his at his wedding uh, the night before. I you know yeah, when I, I got invited into broad- to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> so. When I got paired with Joe, I mean, I, I knew that he was a great broadcaster. What I what I didn't know was what a great father he was. And in a lot of ways, uh, you know, he's been a, a role model in that regard. I mean, he's 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 a guy that uh, I, I talk about him as though he's not on the call right now, but uh, <laughs> has has really helped me a lot professionally uh, as a broadcaster. But then on the personal side, just seeing him as a dad with his girls and his girls are a little bit older than mine. So. That is the glue, uh, I guess, at our core that 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 allows us to have the relationship that we have. And I think it's why I have so much respect for him. And I think it's probably why he has so much respect for me. But to go back to the question, so I'll, I'll be I'll be an empty nester. My first night as an empty nester will be tomorrow night. Uh, wow. Jordan, Jordan. So Allie's off at SMU, which is her, her high school. Her high school was further away than her college, so, <laughs> I, mean, so I, I, I don't know. I don't really know how that how that works just yet. But she's already gone off. She went uh, last week. Jordan, my oldest, leaves tomorrow to go back for her sophomore year at Washington and Lee. And so this will be a new experience for me because for the first time in the football season, I won't feel pressure to get back home as soon as possible. So as soon as games would end, I'd be back getting home just as soon as I could. And now if I want to spend a, an extra day or so somewhere, I can do that. I can travel. So I'm, you know, it's a new phase. It, 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 you know, anytime you hit these different phases of life, it kind of gets your attention. And this one has me, but it's one I'm looking forward to. I'm kind of excited about, uh, you know, them growing and maturing and, and experiencing new things and kind of leaving the nest and figuring things out for themselves a little bit. And, uh, and then and you then can only me, hope that you've done the right job, you know, because yeah, now they're well, going to college and you're like, okay, I did all I can do. Now you are right. off into the real world and it can be scary at times, especially now with social media and just access so much access you know, I mean, does yeah. that worry you, or do you feel confident in your skills and in your in in your the, your girls' personalities that they're going to, you know, carve you know, a good such path? A, yeah, it's such a great point, and I totally agree that you you get them to this point, and you hope that you did a good enough job to where they're mature enough and make good decisions and are responsible and and all those things. But I also I have a lot of friends who are much older than I am, whose kids are now into their forties, and 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 there are some, not many, but there are there are a few that I know who their kids were great kids all the way through high school. They went off to college and just got in with the wrong crowd, and this is so. I, I I've been told that you know, hey, the kids are kind of they're they're molded now. I mean, they kind of are what they are, and you don't have to worry about those things. And my girls are good girls, and. You know, I also understand that every parent thinks that, um, but I, I do feel they're responsible. And I just hope that like any parent, that they just continue to make good decisions. I try to remind that of them, but I also try to give them enough leash that they can go kind of figure it out for themselves. They're going to make some mistakes. Hell, we all did. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and now we just have an ability to track these kids a little bit better. Than oh, what our God, parents I love it. We're able to do. And that's kind of a double edged sword. On the one hand, you think 
man, if I didn't know where they were, I'd be totally bliss and, you know, all that. But now that you know, you're kind of thinking, okay, you know, do I comment on this or not? But so far, so good. I know it's true. These, these apps. Now we have this thing called life 360. So That's I know what all, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I know where all, I know where my kids are, you know, when it's, it's kind of great what time. They're getting back to the dorm. <laughs> know. You know I mean? All that stuff. It is I great. know, but I at what point, at what point are you, is, are your girls like dad? Okay. Life 360 was great when we were younger and now we're at college and I'm not going to have you tracking me to Sigma Chi, yeah. you know, and know that I'm leaving at 4 a.m. <laughs> well, if they watch this podcast, which they will, I'm sure they'll, they'll now know, but I don't let them know that I actually know, you know, I, I, I let them think that I never look at Life 360. So they, you know, now that the cat's out of the bag, they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> there are other apps. <clears throat> there are other, yeah. other apps. Yeah, yeah. All Did they're gonna you know? do is they're gonna hand their phone, they're gonna pay somebody to hand their phone to. You just sit on sit in the dorm and I'm gonna go out. And dad'll think I'm sitting here in uh in Johnson Hall uh on the second These floor. kids couldn't possibly live without their phones. For, no, that's for a good night, point. You know? No. <laughs> no, they can get a burner no, phone. No. Uh, did you did you phone. always want to be did you always want to be a dad? I mean, is that something that yes. was important to you early on? One hundred percent. Yeah, I always uh I always wanted to be a father. It, it, it's always been uh, really the most important part. Even when I was when I was much younger, when I was in my mid twenties, I mean, I just always knew I wanted to be a father. And and then uh, w- you know, once I had children, uh, you know, my personal circumstances uh, warranted that I, that that you know, my, it changed kind of my perspective even more so, and it became even a higher priority in my life and. Yeah, it's been, you know, the rest of it. I, I, you know, you know this and Joe certainly knows this that all this other stuff we do. We talk about broadcasting and social media and acting and you know, who cares? I mean, when it's all said and done, uh, the ones who know us best, our kids and our our spouses and friends and relatives, they're the ones who tell our story when it's all said and done or they're the ones who tell it accurately. And uh, wh- whatever the fans think. And although I think, you know, a world, the world of whatever fans I have, you know, they don't, they don't know me the way that the people who are near me do. And, and, uh, and I hope it's a, I hope it's a good story when they, when they tell it one day, Mm -hmm. it will be because there, there's a respect that your girls have for you that I see just all over them, the way they look at you, uh, when they come visit us in the booth, I mean, I haven't seen them as much over the last couple of years because of COVID and, you know, they, they have their own lives, but I, I just don't think you, we all have to worry, but I think you've put enough in to where you don't have to worry about them making decisions that are, are going to negatively affect them or you. And and I, I think that's always the other layer to this. And, mm-hmm. and it's it's what all of our kids have to deal with, and I'm not whining about it, and I'm certainly not uh, making this a thing, but people know in Dallas – that's Troy Aikman's kid. People know in St. Louis, oh, that's Joe Buck's kid. That's Jack Buck's grandkid. I always knew that wherever I went, even in high school parties and whatever, I was lugging around a little bit of my dad with me, and, and I didn't want to be the jerk getting in a fight, getting arrested, getting, because I knew it would, it, would, and, and it would not look good for my dad. And that kept me on that straight and narrow path. Now you can do the other stuff. I mean, Oliver, you were wilder certainly than, than me as, as a kid, but, but you came around and I I would say the same thing about you that I just said about Troy. I I know you as a great dad first and foremost, and then a very talented, funny, good guy. uh, Second, secondly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was a different time when I was 15, 16 years old and just crazy out of my mind in Los Angeles. I mean, there was no social media, there were no cell phones. So it was much easier for me to not embarrass my parents, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's true. I mean, there is that factor, you know, I mean, even in my little neighborhood, my kids are doing ding dong ditch and they're putting tape on the street and like, and they're, the cars think that, you know, they roll over the tape and it looks, sounds like a flat tire and, and they've gained this reputation in a way in my little neighborhood. And I've heard the, the murmurs of, oh, it's the Oliver Hudson. It's like this celebrity, <laughs> his kids, you know, these asshole kids think they can fucking do anything. I'm like, shut up. I like they're, they're children, you know, but <clears throat> Troy, when you were, why, why did you 
want to become a dad so early. And I only ask this because I was the same, I had the same situation. Like I, in my early twenties, I knew that I wanted to be a dad. And I think there was some subconscious reason for me because my dad left when I was a kid, you know, when I was about 11 or 12, he actually was out of my life. Kurt was in my life uh, as my stepdad, but you know, there's something about your biological not really being there. And I think there was this unconscious sort of part of me that wanted to become a father to break this cycle because my dad's dad, my grandfather left my dad. I mean, it was just this sort of linear situation where I just didn't want that to happen anymore. And so that was, I think, an unconscious decision for me to say, I want to have kids so I can be the best fucking dad that I can be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know where exactly it came for, came for me. I, I, I know, I know what Joe's saying when he was talking about being Jack Buck's son and Trudy and Natalie and not wanting to reflect poorly on their father and make sure that they kind of towed the line a little bit. Uh, you know, I did as a kid because not because my dad was a celebrity, but because he'd just beat my ass as, as, <laughs> as my towed the line. I mean, there was, there, 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 it was pretty clear what would happen. So, um, I, I don't think though, you know, I've got a good relationship with my father. He was tough. I mean, really tough. Uh, just, uh, you know, he demanded a lot from the time I was real young. I mean, he treated me like a grown man, uh, you know, as far back as I can ever remember. Uh, I, I had no restrictions. I never had a curfew and I never had anything like that, but, but the expectations were always there. So, you know, yeah, I could do all these things, but you better not get in trouble and you better make sure you're doing it the right way. And, and all that. So I never took advantage of that freedom that I had. Uh, and when we moved to Oklahoma, uh, I moved to Oklahoma from Southern California. I grew up in Cerritos, uh, until mm. I was 12 and then moved out on a farm. And the first day that I arrived, I was, uh, I, I, I was roofing our house. We built our house and then I was, you know, getting rock and I was hauling hay. So all of a sudden I went from a city kid to being out in the country and a lot of expectations. I mean, I played American Legion baseball and uh, I would haul hay right up until I had to leave for the game. And then I'd come home and it might be 11 at night and I'd be out in the fields hauling hay until four in the morning until whenever we got the hay in. I mean, it was just kind of, you know, and I was young. So maybe in some ways, some of my childhood was taken away uh, because of that, but I wouldn't have traded it. And I just know that double edged sword. I mean, that's your work ethic right there. I mean, you probably owe that, owe your career and owe, you know, obviously there's talent, but you got to work. I mean, that's has to be instilled in those moments. There's no doubt. And, uh, and so, you know, yeah, I think that part of me, uh, there's, there's no question that I wouldn't have got where I got as an athlete if it weren't for my father. And, and so I think there was a part of me always deep down, that always kind of wanted to prove to him that I was as tough as he was, which mm. is impossible. I mean, this guy's he's, I, I could tell story after story about him, but, but anyway, so, uh, having kids was, a was a really important thing for me. And I had the, the two girls and I don't know what it would have like been like to have a son. I'm sure I would have loved it. It would have been awesome. I'm done having kids, but I've always said, if I were to have kids, I, I I'd want, more girls um because i love the father daughter relationship i just love that every morning when i see them they come up they give me a hug and a kiss every time i you know it's never changed from the time they they were one years old to now 20 and 19 that dynamic has never changed um you know god bless joe you know with with the young boys he's talking you know he's he's talking about how he hasn't seen my girls in a few years i've still not seen his although i feel like i do know him i feel like i'm related to him because of instagram i still i still have not seen him in person i i've I've not met him yet and what are they two and a half now they're three and a half three and a half they're three and a half (laughs) yeah It's, it's, I, I, I mean, know a driver's license before I get a chance to, speak. I'll bring them on the road as long as they can sleep in your room. 
How about that? You can meet them. You can you can hang with them. You can get all Blake and White you want. The road is going to be my place to sleep in 2021. It is the only uninterrupted. Oh my God! I just got a great night's sleep. Part of my life is being on the road, which. Uh, uh, part of me, it makes me sick that I'm going to be gone as much as I'm going to be gone. But the other side is, uh, I'm going to be gone pretty yeah, well, often. Not, and I not to too sleep. bad. No, it's not too bad. You're on that, you're on that Zions program. You didn't even know it. <laughs> no, I'm going to be like Madden. I'm going to get a bus and just travel around the country. And I'm going to leave yeah. one game and just drive to the next. And I don't care how it's got, I got to be there in three days. I, I just, that's I know somebody it. who did that. It worked for him. I mean, yeah. I think that that'd be good. Yeah. I, I, all right. I'm going to think about that. I I'm sure Michelle will be all got to come up with it. Got to come up with a name for it though. We got to come up with something catchy. Like as a opposed name, to a, the Madden cruiser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the buck bus. The buck bus, yeah. Buck bu- the buck, the buck buggy, the buck buggy is rolling into Irving, Texas. Uh, if you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Please share the love and tell a friend about Daddy Issues, and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We beg. That's you. Right. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up right after the break. So I, I, I don't, we're not going to keep you forever. It is 06. Oliver's got to take his uh, middle kid to school. Or who's going next? Is it Wilder? I got, got Bodie at 1045, and then I got to come back and get Wilder at noon. It's just orientation, yeah. so I got to, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like that. Absolutely. So are um, you ready, Troy, for, for his – I think people are under the false impression that we just show up and do games, and, yeah, and I, including our bosses. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it's you know it, it's a little bit intimidating. We're sitting here talking in the last real week of not having at at worst or at best one game uh, a week, as opposed you know some weeks there are two, and then I'm mixing in baseball in October. And and it's all that travel. I, I know you're excited about being an empty nester during all that, but it, it's a it's a big undertaking, and there's a lot yeah. to there's a lot to dive into and digest, and it's 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 gonna be it's a lot. It's gonna be another long year. Yeah, it's it is a lot, and this Thursday, the Thursday Sunday schedule, as you well know, it's a uh, you know it's a grind. It takes uh, you know there's not a lot of life outside of uh, getting ready for games and then calling the games and travel and 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 everything it's a it's a wonderful job it's a great job i i really i don't know about you but i i i thought that when we did thursday night football i really thought i'd do it one year and then that would kind of be it uh i never expected that here we'd be going into our fourth season and uh and still doing thursday night i know that once we get back to one game a week uh next year that it, it, it'll feel like it'll, it'll feel so different. I mean, it'll feel like a totally. vacation, you know, when we're in the middle of the year, but, but no, I'm excited about it. You know, I was just kind of thinking about the start of the year and, you know, as you know, with the hurricane that hit there in new Orleans, the saints are here in Dallas practicing. And here we are, you know, like 16 years to the day that they're going through it all over again. And now they're going to have a new quarterback, you know, Drew Brees had just come to new Orleans along with Sean Payton when they got God, hit last yeah. time. I mean, and think about that. Crazy. Yeah, now you got Jameis Winston who will be taking over, you know, on the heels of a of another hurricane. There, the city, you know, praying for all those people there. They're without power, and who knows if they're going to even have the stadium up and running in time for that game. I mean, I I don't even know what might happen with the, with because we're so Oliver. We've got the Packers at New Orleans week one uh, mm. in the big sun late afternoon window, and hopefully they'll get a chance. Hopefully they'll be able to go back. That'll be that'll be mean good things for new Orleans and you know, everything else. Yes. But we don't know. So, mm. but yeah, I'm excited about it. I always get excited. I got excited as a player at the start of the football season and I'm excited as a broadcaster. It's just, 
wouldn't finally stop talking about it. And now let's go see what, what some of these what, teams have. What, what happens if one of you wants to retire? You know what I mean? Like, is there ever talk about this? It's been 20 years. Do you guys do that together? Is there any world where, <laughs> where Troy is like, I'm out. And Joe's like, well, I guess I'm going to stay. You know, and then all yeah. of a sudden oh, Dak yeah. Prescott is your guy. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I just I can only work with Dallas Cowboy Cowboys. quarterbacks. That's in my contract. Uh I I think I don't know. That's I mean I would it would suck. Um but he's got to manage his life and I've got to manage mine. It's just worked out so well to this point. It just would be and I've said it. I mean, Troy's kicked the tires on on opportunities and continues to. I do too. And thank God we've been able to just always kind of come back at the start of every season and go back to work together. But yeah, I, I think if Troy said I'm out, you know, I would keep. I have to keep working. I got too many people that that need me to keep working, and uh, and <laughs> yeah. vice versa. Yeah, and I think it. You know, I think you can comment on this too, uh, Oliver, as far as your situation. But I think that when. Uh, you know, I'm 54 years old. And so I look at it and think, you know, how long do I want to do it? At what age do I want to stop being in front of the camera? You know, do I see myself broadcasting when I'm 70 years old? I mean, I, I, I don't, but you know, then all of a sudden those years sneak up on you and, you know, are, are you really ready to walk away when that time comes? And that's, that's what I thought as a player. I mean, I remember when I first got into the league, I thought, man, 10 years would be great. And then you get to 10 years and you think, man, I'm not anywhere near ready to quit playing, you know? And mm -hmm. so, uh, but I'm sure you go through that exercise as, as, as well, as far as, you know, how long do you want to do it? Or are there other things in your life that are oh, important, yeah. you know? So, Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. It's true. I mean, there's the love and then there's the sort of financial obligation that I have yeah. to sort of my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always say to Aaron, my wife, I'm like, man, if I just sort of hit the lottery, you know, half a billion or whatever the lottery is, would I yeah. would I keep doing it or would I just, you know, give a bunch away and then have the greatest time with my kids and my wife? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Heck I don't yeah. know. Heck yeah. I don't know. By I love way, what I, I do, but, you know, I like having fun. By the way, I fun. think uh, – I think Aaron was a rock star on Family Feud. I thought she kind of carried it for the. She did. <laughs> she did. For the Hudson clan. She really did. She was yeah, great. Yeah, she was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I mean, wouldn't Only you be sad, Troy, if if you you know you did Celebrity Family Feud and nobody in your family wanted to go on camera with you? Like, obviously, what happened with Oliver? Like, Kate said no, and Goldie <laughs> said no, and Kurt said no, and Wyatt said no. And I didn't even ask them because I, I didn't. Well, the I've had enough rejection in my life. I don't need a family feud rejection, you know? Yeah. I, you know what I, I didn't? What, what I don't remember, though, like, they, they had Joe introduce his group. Yeah. I, I don't. Maybe I missed it. Did you introduce no, your group? I did. They yeah. didn't air it. Oh, okay. Because I thought, well, who are these people? And I finally kind of, you know, realized that okay, well, Aaron's the wife, and then you know, then there, but then there were some others that, not, you know, no, I didn't know where even, they fit into the whole. It thing. wasn't even said because nor I was like, these are my friends and blah blah blah. But now it just looks like maybe these are cousins of mine or some shit. I have no idea what people. You know were why it happened that way? We said this before you hopped on because they won every head-to-head -head matchup up at the start of each round. We never played. So if I didn't introduce my family, including my poor sister, who never spoke a word on this show, which is this was her the highlight of her life. Oh, they, was she on it? She <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. I, if, if I don't introduce my family, you would have never seen them. Right. <laughs> it's so funny, and people think I'm I'm being a smartass when I say it, and I'm not because you know, he's two years older than me. When I was really paying attention to the NFL, Troy Aikman was Troy Aikman. Like, yeah. I, you know, yeah. Do I remember Bradshaw? Sure. Do I remember the eighties and Montana and, and all that? Yes. But, but by the time I really cared about covering or looking at the NFL with a, with a discerning eye, Troy Aikman was Troy Aikman. And, and somebody brought it up on a podcast I did uh, about our relationship and if I ever called games that Aikman did, well, Aikman's Cowboys were so friggin' good that every week they got Madden and Summerall as their broadcast crew. But my first year or second year, I'm working with Tim Green, and Troy, 
Troy's, let's say the Cowboys weren't that good that year. And I think Troy found out or figured out that the end was near when the guys covering his NFL game were (laughs) Joe Buck and Tim Green. He walked into the production meeting like, who in the hell are these two people that I'm about to sit down and tell secrets to? Well, we always had we always had Madden and Summerall. I mean, it was pretty much every week, unless we were playing on Monday night. And then we had Al and Dan and and Frank Gifford and you know that crew and whoever was doing Monday night that particular year. And I remember when we when I'd walk in for a production meeting and it would be Stockton and Mellon. I'd kind of be taken aback because I knew that that was their number two team. And I was like, Hey, well, where's, where's Madden and summer all this week. And if they weren't doing us, they were covering the 49ers is typically how it worked. But I mean, if we had 16 games in a regular season, I, I bet 12 of them were Madden and summer all covering them. And then the one year it was, it was towards the end and we, and we weren't very good. And that, and I, and it was a reminder when I walked in and I don't know what, number crew you guys were joe i don't even remember the production meeting joe always told me when we got paired together in the broadcast booth he said you know i covered one of your games one year i said you did i mean did i come in for the production meeting he goes oh yeah you came in and it was when we were playing cincinnati i said i did i don't remember that he goes yeah yeah you weren't real pleased about being in there and having to talk to talk to <laughs> it was so us. great, Oliver. We, we we sit down like so. So for people that don't know, if you're a great team, you're going to get the top broadcast crew for each network. Well, that's why they had Madden and Summerall, Madden and Summerall. Every once in a while, the number two team. Well, we show up. We were the number three or number four team, and we walk in there. And Tim Green, who's a wonderful guy and going through his own battles right now, starts in like kind of just shooting the shit with Troy. Like, hey, what's going on? And Troy's like, uh, yeah, uh, not much. Uh, yeah, so you doing all right? And Troy just cuts him off. He's like, look, do you have any questions about the game? Because because uh, I'm not going to play the, hey, what's going on game right now. I'm like, oh, shit. And so then you know, here we are X number of years later paired together. And from day one, I was asking the guy favors to, to come to St. Louis to do my children's hospital golf tournament. He was all in. So I, I saw Troy the player who was intense, and I, I've seen Troy, the broadcaster, who's just as giving a guy as, as you know, we could have. Oliver, it's, it, Oliver, it's like when you're on the phone. with so I'm not a phone guy, but when I am mm-hmm. on the phone, somebody calls and you answer the phone. I mean, I want to know why they called, and then let's, yeah. let's get to it and then get off the phone. But then when they say, hey, so, you know, what else is going on? You're like, really? <laughs> what else? Like, we're going to make things up for conversation? I mean, <laughs> yeah. so when, when I that, – knowing that story – so when I got into broadcasting, I said already I was the number two guy when I first started. It was really, really important to me to be on a crew to where when players walked in, they respected you because they knew it was at least a, a bigger game. You know, I wasn't doing the number one game, but I was doing the very next game, which meant a lot. So these these guys that are doing the, the games between teams that are really struggling – I mean, it's hard. It's hard on them. It's harder on them than it is on us doing the games mm. that we do. It's, you know, and it's just, it's a, it's a tough situation on them. And especially when you're doing games with teams that just aren't playing very well, it's hard to be positive. You know I mean? When, when we cover a game, they are two good teams that are, that are generally having really good years. So we get to kind of celebrate that a little mm-hmm. bit. We don't have to be, we don't have to be negative and just talk about all the things that have gone wrong. And uh, so it's, it becomes a much tougher job, I think, for the crews that are uh, that that are lower in the ranking than than the one or two. Who, who's crew. your who's who's number two behind you guys? Uh, well, this year it was last year it was Kevin Burkhart and Daryl Johnston. This year right. it'll be Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, who just retired. He was with Seattle last year, Carolina yeah. a lot of years in Chicago, and and uh, yeah, really talented guy, great guy, and. Uh, and he'll be the number two guy this year in his first, much like me in his first season of, of broadcasting. Okay. Oh, yeah. If you, if you get a minute, go on his Instagram and what they've been through as a family and yeah. a, a child who's uh, just had a heart uh, transplant. And yeah, um, it's just, and, and his attitude is, is phenomenal. And I just don't know how that just doesn't wear the life yeah. out of you. You don't know this, Troy, but Oliver is shooting a show 
that you and I are going to promote on Fox. He's now oh, in the right. Fox family uh, well, shooting oh, a show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing What's a show, show in Albuquerque. I'm doing it's it's an hour show. It's called The Cleaning Lady, and it's sort of like a mob Vegasy drama. I play like an FBI special agent who operates in the gray area. You know, he's not necessarily on the up and up. Um, but the first uh, the, the minute I got the gig, uh, the first thing I thought of was was Buck. I'm like, oh shit! It airs in January, I think. During the playoffs, I'm like, hey, maybe he will, for the first time in our friendship, be promoting something on air that yeah. you guys will be talking about. That would be that's awesome. Such a treat for me. So you're filming. Uh, you've already filmed it. No, I'm shooting now. I'm back and forth from New Mexico to L.A. You know, just okay. flying, flying yeah. a bunch. <clears throat> but awesome. uh, yeah, it's good. And home, and home, Ollie, to take your three kids in this staggered. That's right. Uh, Which I got to do right now. You got to go take your kids to school. Um, I know. But I home do. right now to, to be there for day one. You remember those days, Troy, day one of school yes. and how scary and exciting that was for both parent oh, yeah. and kid. It's the best. It's uh, awesome. And then, it, and then it, it's gone before you know it. Yeah, my kid it just is. walked past me and he's heavy Egyptian musk oil. I mean, it just literally, I can't get it out of my nostrils. So he's, he's got a kid, Troy, that just went through puberty that is uh, wants to wear cologne to school in eighth grade, but Oliver didn't get him cologne. He got him Egyptian musk oil. <laughs> is, is that is that the one who sometimes makes a cameo uh, yes. when you're singing at the coffee pot? Yes, yes, yes. They're just totally unfazed by my insanity. My whole family is. They they just they're like, yeah, it's dad. I yeah, I can tell. They just kind of they're used to it. You know? Yeah, yeah, they're very used meander to it. around. <laughs> they do. They just have their morning, and then I'm the one sort of doing a, just a, some sort of an insane bit. <laughs> Troy, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you got it, man. Thanks, Troy. Thanks that was awesome. Me. All right, brother. All right. Thank you. See y'all. Thanks. Later, See you, man. Uh, Ollie, just hang up, buddy. Go take. Uh, go I gotta take go. Those precious. I love you, man. School. That was awesome. God, Troy is cool. Jesus, he's cool. I love he's, him. He is. He has more integrity than anybody uh, I know. I, I wish we were. Fr- I want to be friends. I, I'm gonna. You know, he'd be I'm good for you. He'd be good. I good think, sounding board for you. Yeah, I think so. I think we'd uh, we'd go deep. But just don't start deep. any conversation with. So what's up? Yeah, I definitely what, won't. I what else is going a, on? I'm coming with a plan. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to say his name. He'll answer the phone and be like, okay, so here's what's happening right now. I've got this, 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 and this, and this. <laughs> That's it. So I'm like him, though. I don't, I'm not a phone guy. I don't like no. to talk on the phone. And Aaron no. does. Like, sometimes Aaron is just like, so, like, what's up? I'm like, what do you mean, what's up? I've been with you for 20 years. Like, w- w- what's up? Like, what do we got? Let's figure Why this out. Why are you calling me? Yeah. <laughs> How did you get this number? Yeah, Aaron yeah. loves the phone. She's like, sometimes we'll just sit on the phone and no words will be exchanged. And I'm like, hello? She's like, hey, yeah. like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, babe, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm here. I, what's, do you need something? <laughs> um, all right, I got to go. I love you. All right. Bye. See you. Great bye. job. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. <laughs> 